You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. never made it their own. They've never experienced it for themselves. Now here particularly, Paul's concern is that we lay hold of the vast wealth of God's love. Notice there in verse 19, as he petitions the Lord, he says, to know the love of Christ. And by the way, that would be a good prayer to pray. If Just in case you're wondering what I should be praying for, how about making that one of your petitions? There is a difference between an individual who intellectually understands Christ as the Savior of the world and a person who embraces this truth in their heart. Pastor Mike often sees the former individual in his office sharing of their burdens, not understanding why the Lord hasn't delivered them. Also, it's the latter that is truly saved. Ask yourself after hearing today's message, which camp are you in? Have you crossed the 12 inches of difference with understanding in your head and accepting with your heart? Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 as he continues his message, I Bow My Knee. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knee, and that's where we get the title of message from, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ, Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay, let's back up a little bit. Last time together, we began our examination of the second prayer of Paul's that is recorded for us in the book of Ephesians. The first prayer was recorded in chapter 1, and as we've been moving through this book of the Bible, again, verse by verse, uh, chapter by chapter, we've already examined that first prayer. But the first prayer was basically a petition for enlightenment. That was the emphasis of his first prayer for the church at emphasis. Let's just quickly go back and take a look at verses 17 and 18 of chapter 1. 
uh, to validate what I just said, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Listen, what a great prayer, you know? And therein, as I always mention, therein is the value of studying the prayers that have been preserved for us and recorded in the Bible. I don't know how many times, particularly for young Christians, they come and they say, you know, Pastor Mike, I know that uh, prayer is such an integral part of my Christian experience, but, you know, I'm new to this and I really don't know what I should be praying for. Well, if you want to know, just examine the prayers that are preserved and recorded for us in the Bible. And then again, own them. Make those prayers your own. Those are the things that are really important. And that's exactly why God has preserved them and recorded them for us in the Word, that we might examine them, that we might meditate upon them, because those are the things that are important to God. What a great prayer. And so may the Spirit direct us always when we go to prayer. And God does respond to the prayers of his people. But one of the things that really, really stands out is that how that the Spirit, how that the people that are praying are just really being led and directed by the Spirit as they pray. And that's exactly the way that it should be, right? Just giving ourselves over. Lord, just lead me. In fact, that's when the first person who is chosen to begin the prayer as we go around the tables, it, usually that person asks that they would that all of us would be led by the Spirit when we pray. And God does answer that prayer. So anyway, but what a great prayer. Uh, that first prayer that's recorded for us there in chapter 1. So that's what the first prayer was all about. It was all about enlightenment. Now, the emphasis upon this prayer that's recorded for us here in chapter 3 that we begin to study last, the emphasis upon that prayer is enablement. You see, Paul wanted his readers to understand how vast their God-given resources are and then begin to use them for their own benefit, but also for the glory of God. And so, to that end, Paul prayed that prayer. Now, also last time, if you remembered, I drew your attention to the primary focus of these prayers which is the spiritual needs of men and women. You know, I I think a lot of our prayers are lost on, like, temporal things that, yes, are important, but not as important as spiritual things, you know? I mean, it's okay to, to, you know, ask the Lord for our daily bread and a roof over our head and clothes on our back and to be able to pay our bills and You know, I mean, all of those things are important. I'm not downplaying the importance of those things, and we should pray. In fact, when Jesus taught us how to pray on a Sermon on the Mount, he talked about those particular kinds of petitions, you know, the temporal things. But unfortunately, we spend more time on temporal things than we do upon spiritual things. And thus, we miss out on the blessings. You know, James says, we have not because we ask not. We're just not focusing on the things that we need to be focusing on which goes back to the point that I made in my opening statement about that's the reason why God has preserved and recorded those prayers that are found in the Bible. And they're recorded for our learning. And you'll notice that the emphasis of most of those prayers are on spiritual uh, things. 
Now, why is that? Why is that? Well, because God dwells in the inner man. He does his work in the inner man. Notice in verse 16. Go back to this prayer. Notice what it says there in verse 16. In the latter part, he prays, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man or the inner woman. You see, that is where the greatest needs of mankind are. It is within the inner man, the inner woman, where virtue is developed, where purity is developed, where holiness is developed, where strength is uh, developed, you see. And so that's the reason why. That's the greatest needs of mankind. Spiritual needs. The work that God does within the inner man, the inner woman. Now, also, as I mentioned last time, there are four petitions that are a part of this prayer. Last time, we took a look at the first two. But uh, for the benefit of those of you who weren't here last time, let's briefly take a look at the first two petitions that we've already uh, covered. The first of which was, Paul prays on behalf of the Ephesian believers for strength. Notice there in verse 16, let's go back, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner power. So he's praying on behalf of these believers for strength or, more literally, power. Now, what kind of power are we talking about? Well, folks, we're talking about Holy Spirit power, that power that enables our spiritual faculties to be controlled by God. And exactly how important is this Holy Spirit power? Well, think about this. In the one book of the Bible, the book of Acts, right, there are no less than 59 references to the church being led by, anointed, filled, uh, speaking under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. 59. Isn't that amazing? 59 references to the work of the Holy Spirit and the lives of the believers of the first century church. And so he's asking for power, that Holy Spirit power that enables our spiritual faculties to be controlled by God. Uh, How important is this? Well, Jesus, before his ascension, as he was gathered together with his disciples, the 120 that were introduced to in Acts chapter 1, and he instructs them to tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endowed with power from on high. He's speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the result of that will be that ye shall be witnesses unto me. Judea, Samaria, right? And then to the uttermost parts of the world. So how important is it? So what's the effect of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit? And ye shall be witnesses. Witnesses of what? You shall be witnesses of Christ, right? You know, think of uh, Peter as an example of this. Just a brief, short time before he was baptized, uh, the record in Acts chapter 1 with the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit, he had just denied the Lord three times. And now, after he's baptized, we see him in the public arena uh, assembly, and he's openly uh, and boldly preaching the gospel, rather than denying him just a short while before. Do you see the result of the power of God's Holy Spirit within his life? Now listen, I I also want to mention that 
You know, in this occupation, there's our part and our responsibility. You know, God just doesn't, like, pour out his, his power upon people who aren't really seeking uh, to receive it. There's our part in this relationship. Isn't that what Christianity is, if you think about it? I mean, it's a relationship. There's our part, and there's God's part. And you've heard me say this a million times if you've been here for a while. God's part certainly outweighs our part, but, but nevertheless, there's our part. So what is our part in this occupation of receiving this power of God, this Holy Spirit power of, of God? What's involved? Well, we need to feed the inner man. How do we do that? By the word of God. You know, don't expect to receive power of God unless you're in the word. That's the, the food that feeds the spiritual man, the spiritual woman. And so some of the exercise that lends itself to our receiving this power and this strength Feeding the inner man the word, praying, worshiping, keeping clean, loving obedience. Those are the exercises that are our responsibility in this great occupation. Okay, so that was the first petition, and I just briefly touched on it. Again, listen to that message on our website. Now, that leads us to Paul's second petition, which is recorded for us, There in verse 17, Paul prays for death. Now, we've already talked about this petition last time together. Let's go back to our text, verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So what are we talking about here? Well, Paul is praying on behalf of the Ephesian believers that they might begin to experience a deep personal relationship, fellowship, and communion with God, which, by the way, is the result of Holy Ghost power. That is to be at home with God and he with us. Now, I want you to think about this. Isn't this true? Uh, We have all of these wonderful pictures and analogies in the Bible where the believer is regarded as a house to be divinely inhabited by God. Isn't that true? The Bible tells us that we are the temple of the living God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. Believers are regarded in the scriptures, pictured in the scriptures, as a house to be divinely inhabited by God. So think about that uh, illustration. Think about that example. So when Paul prayed for depth for these believers there in Ephesus, He's he's talking about them cultivating a deep and personal relationship with God, to be at home with God, to be at ease with God, to feel comfortable with God, and he with them. To have their roots digging deep into his love, to lay the right foundation. We talked about all of these illustrations and metaphors last time. Again, listen to that message. That foundation, by the way, remember we mentioned this last time, who is Christ in our lives. Okay, so anyway, there's the first two petitions, and that's where we left off last time. Now let's go on. Then the third petition of Paul's that is recorded for us here, verses 18 and 19. Paul prays for apprehension. Paul prays for apprehension. Let's read verses 18 and 19. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height 
to know the love of Christ, which passage knowledge. Now, our English word comprehend or apprehend both stem from the Latin word preendier. That's the way you pronounce it in the Latin language, which means to grasp. So both of our English words, apprehend and comprehend, come from that one Latin word, preendier. And the word comprehend carries along with it the idea of mentally grasping something. That would refer to like an intellectual comprehension of something. You know, maybe something that you read out of a book, a textbook. Remember when you were in school, some of you are still in school. You know, you learn from that which is recorded in a textbook, a lecture that your professor may be giving. But it's an intellectual comprehension. That's not what Paul is asking for on behalf of these believers. He wants them to go a lot deeper than that. While the word apprehend suggests laying hold of it for yourself owning it, experiencing it for yourself. You see, gang, it is possible to understand something but not really make it your own. Like, for example, one of the petitions, he prayed for that they might experience the strength of God. And we talk a lot about possessing the strength of God, that we might have victory over sin within our lives and temptation uh, when it arrives. So we hear a lot about it, and we can intellectually comprehend what the pastor is talking about when he addresses the subject of possessing the strength of God, but then at the same time, he can live, or she, live a feeble, weak, and defeated life. And I've known this to be true of some Christians. You know, and this is so obvious. I mean, you know, those types of people... God bless them. God's not finished with them. And remember, the church is a hospital where people come to get, to get well. But, uh, but sometimes you just wonder about people, though, right? Someone who's been attending our church for like a couple of years. And they're, you know, I mean, we spend a lot of time on teaching the Word of God. That's the, the main focus and emphasis of, of our ministry is the teaching of, of the Word of God. The Lord said that ye are clean by the words which I have spoken unto you. We're healed by the words that are recorded for us and taught from the Word of God. The importance of the Scriptures. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I mean, can you place a higher premium upon the Word than that? But nevertheless, there's a person who's been in the church for several years. Uh, The person sitting next to him has been in the church an equal amount of years, One person is going on to maturity, but the other person who's heard all of the same messages, has been instructed, exhorted, taught, has been around for the same amount of time, and, you know, that person is weak and feeble. He has an intellectual comprehension and understanding of what it means to experience and get a hold of this. He's even taught the ways to go about it, the ABCs, the steps to take to acquire that strength. But nevertheless, he remains feeble and weak in his walk and his relationship with the Lord. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing. And you just wonder. You get the phone call. Pastor Mike, I need to see you. Okay, come on in. And then he rehearses the things that are going on in his life and the weaknesses and, and the problems and the struggles and the temptations that, you know, he can't overcome. And so you counsel him. 
You instruct them in the word. And guess what? The phone rings again six months later, and it's the same guy or girl, and they're having the same issue, the same problem, and they never overcome. And you wonder about it. What's the difference? They've never made it their own. They've never experienced it for themselves. Now here particularly, Paul's concern is that we lay hold of the vast wealth of God's love. Notice there in verse 19, as he petitions the Lord, he says, to know the love of Christ. And by the way, that would be a good prayer to pray. If Just in case you're wondering what I should be praying for, how about making that one of your petitions, one of your regular petitions, that you might experience the love of Christ. Well, that's a great prayer to, to pray, right? And notice here, uh, Paul wanted the believers to live in four dimensions of that love. Notice there in verse 18. That's how great God's love is. Notice the four dimensions that he mentions. The width, the depth, the length, the height. Oh, how great the love of God is. I don't know if this is going to be a good illustration or not, but I always use it. I've gotten a lot of miles out of it. You know, when we finally arrive at our destination in heaven, and uh, we're finally with the Lord, right? And uh, what are we going to be doing for all of eternity? Well, I think it's going to take an entire eternity to really discover the depth, the width of the love of God. I think we're going to receive one revelation after another, after another, after another, and at least in part, that's what we're going to be doing for all of eternity. Like, for example, we're going to be in heaven, and uh, you know, God's going to pour out a blessing upon us. And then at that moment when we receive the blessing, we're going to say, oh, now I understand what the love of God really looks like. And even before we can utter that sentence, he's going to pour out another blessing. And then in response, we're going to say, oh, now I understand how great the love of God. And before I can get that sentence out, he's going to pour out another one. And we're going to be doing that for all of eternity. But that's exactly what it's going to take. Because that's how great the love of God is. Amen? Amen. And so we can get a kind of a glimpse and a taste of that right now while we're here upon the earth. But, the, you know, but go back to our text here. There's, there's so, in the construct of, the, of this phrase, of this verse, there's sort of a paradox here. Because Paul wants us to know personally the love of Christ, but then he goes on to say, which passes understanding or passes knowledge. So what's that all about? How is that even possible there in verse 19? Well, listen, don't be confused. Paul is just saying that these four dimensions of God's love are so great that they cannot be measured. You know, let me paraphrase this for you. Maybe it'll make more sense. Here's the paraphrase. We are so rich in Christ that our riches cannot be calculated. Okay? I think that's a pretty good paraphrase explanation of that text of scripture in my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where i long to be oh my thanks for tuning in to today's edition of in my father's house as we study the book of ephesians with pastor mike it's no secret that people can sometimes be messy. So when you put all kinds of people into a church building, there's bound to be problems. 
For this reason, the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus to remind them to remain unified in Jesus. When Jesus remains at the center of your relationships, the body of Christ is so much sweeter. Take Paul's writings to heart and seek to live in unity with those around you. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike or to hear today's message again, just visit harvestnyc.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Find directions, service times, and more information on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. And if you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We're so glad you were able to spend this past half hour with us. Join us again for more from this verse-by-verse study in the book of Ephesians next time, right here on In My Father's House. Trouble. I remember what you said. You returned.